not bitter, just better. The all-new Everton podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. Joining me here, as always, now he's finally down from that high last week when he went to Man U, is Mark Mack, and I'm Mr Johnny Seven. Yeah, I'm still recovering now, so if you're me coughing or you hear me voice start to break, uh, it's because I still haven't recovered properly from Man United. Yeah, what a, what a night that was. Um, you might remember us saying that this week would be a test. Um, uh, well, you might not remember because you probably all had a lot to drink in between now and then because <laughs> it's been quite a week for the Blues, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been probably one of the best weeks I can remember in a long time, really. Um, I would go so far as to say Man United away last midweek was the best away game I've ever been to. Yeah, well, you texted me that the day after. I was thinking, why did you text me that? You're our last. Because I wanted to go and I couldn't. <laughs> See, this is what happens when you miss games. You never know what you're going to miss. Um, I was, I did toy around with going to Arsenal, but with uh, couldn't make it down there at the weekend, unfortunately. Um, and missed another good game. Uh, yeah, so we just we start off with the Man U game from what we can remember of it. Because it seems like a, quite a while ago. Because that Arsenal game was an epic as well, wasn't it? It does. It seems like a an age ago now, um, we've probably got two different sets of memories as well, because you watched it on TV, yep. uh, and, and I was there live, and, and probably, I suppose, varying views, because a different point of view of, of the way we viewed the game. Um, firstly, I want to say, uh, you know, the first thing that struck me about going is, I, I've been to Old Trafford a couple of times before, like, and it's, it's such an amazing stadium, it really is. Do you know when you arrive there, it's, it's so imposing. Uh, and it makes you feel a bit inadequate, really, when you get there. And I think probably that that might even win a couple of games for them. Yeah, well, it's it's meant to be the theatre of dreams, and you know, it's meant to be imposing. It's meant to, that's what it's meant to do, isn't it? And Man United's reputation over the years doesn't really help opposition going there. But we had every um, every right to believe that we could go and go there and get a performance at least. Yeah, I mean, on that note, I mean, we talked last week about. You know, it's quite a new feeling to go to Old Trafford uh, and to have a level of confidence about going there. I mean, even on the match day, the level of confidence was so high. Every blue I spoke to was saying, "Do you know what? I've just got a sneaking suspicion we're going to win here tonight." Um, and I think we predicted a sneaky little one 0 win, didn't we? Like, oh, well, I did. Yeah, yeah. I was listening back the other day, and you, you you predicted a win for that one and hoped to scrape through with a draw. But I don't think you predicted a draw against Arsenal. But you know, one 0 against Man U. I tell you, good call, that. I tell you, listeners, if you know, use me for your your party power bets or your, you know your your best bear bets because uh, I'm on a roll at the minute. But uh, yeah, uh, got there and straight away as soon as we pulled up at the ground, uh, you could already hear all the blues inside, all Trafford singing their head off. Ali Ali always was booming out, um, and. The atmosphere was great. Uh, what did I tell you something? Or what I did notice was the Man United fans were ridiculously quiet. Well, didn't we say that last year? Um, sorry, two years ago when we went, I think Hernandez might have got the winner, and you just couldn't hear them apart from the goals. When we went to Anfield, we couldn't hear them. Is it just you know City as well? Is it just where you are in the ground, or you know to make you believe that, or because the Evertonians are so loud around you? 
I think it's a, it's probably a bit of both. I mean, I, I don't know if it's just a case of maybe. You know, I'm sure if United play Liverpool, for instance, it's probably loud. I don't know whether it just teams sort of take us a bit lightly and don't want to sing against Everton. Maybe it's because they like us a little bit or something. I don't know, but it certainly plays into our hands. I think because. I think even some of the players said they felt like they were at a home game. That's what Roberto came out and said that. It felt like a home game. So that's quite high praise. And the amount of like videos on YouTube and people on Facebook saying that they were in amongst the Man United fans as well. So there must have been fans all around the ground. Yeah, I mean, I like to say that I contributed to that atmosphere, but my voice had gone after about seven minutes or something. <laughs> so... Uh, and uh, Roy's came in for a little bit of stick. I think he's been out in the, the papers, hasn't he, this week, and said, uh, you know, or, or rumoured to have, have made some comments about it. But do you want to touch on that now, or do you want to get to that a bit later? Yeah, I'll, I'll put it down for our news section, but... Let's uh, recap the game first. Recap then. the game and then talk about that afterwards, because um, that's when it was, after the game. Memories of the game, um, from being there, uh, the Blues came out, the line-up... Um, Pretty much what we expected, really. I think there was no same same as the, uh, the the team that started against Stoke. Yeah, there was no major surprises, and the Blues started off well um, straight away. We were in the game, um, we were having possession of the ball, uh, and you know you looked. I looked at, at the start of the game. I looked on the pitch and I looked at the team United put out, and I, I was sat there thinking, you know, how many of their players on form. And the way they couldn't, would you would you put into our team? And there was only really Rooney, you know. Yeah. That, and that's a big sign of the times at the moment. I mean, Vidic maybe, but at the moment I wouldn't break Jagielka and Destan up. I mean, Vidic is a, is obviously a, a very good player, but yeah, to it, care. No, not on current form. Not you know how many good saves has Howard made over the last few games? Yeah, good points. Yeah, um, so. So, you know, even looking at that, I was thinking to myself, you know what, I really do fancy this tonight. Uh, and I thought in the first half in particular, I thought we, we bossed the game. The way it came across on telly um, was a little bit like yeah, United had the better of it. Um, they hit the post a few times and they had a, a, a lot of pressure, but not really. You know, as I say, they hit the post, they had a couple of decent chances. Yeah, what I will say is from from being there, obviously they had, they seemed to have the better the chances. There was a time where did Rooney at the post from a couple of deflections. Yeah, uh, I can't remember who else it was. Um, and a couple of posts, so definitely a couple. But I think what what from from actually being there, what what you did see is Everton's pattern of play did seem to be in control of the game, and there was a few times where the likes of Barkley would break through or Lukaku would break through, and. You could see sometimes they choose to play the the wrong ball. There was a, there was a time in the first half where Morales was screaming down the right, and from our, our perspective where we were in the bottom corner, you could just perfectly see the gap. I think it was Barkley who was coming through with the ball, and he just had to play that ball just through. Him, and Morales would have been in, and, and you know you would have de- definitely put money on from score. And I think Barkley played it to the left of Lukaku instead. You know we've talked about. His choices for the final ball not always being the best, but it, and that was an example, I think. But yeah, no, I, I thought we did very well in the first half, and you know, going in at half time, nil nil, um, again, it seemed to be a big improvement on, on what we've done previously at Old Trafford. 
Yeah, uh, I think United did start coming into the game a little bit more towards the end of the first half, uh, and it was definitely a period in the second half of about twenty minutes where we were under the cosh a little bit. I don't know how that came across on the on the, on the TV. Well, Delafeo came on as a good bright uh, break again away in the second half, didn't he? Yeah, he came on for. I can't remember who the substitutions were now off the top of my head. Um, Pass. Yeah, I don't know. At this point, I, I was I was sort of uh, well out of the game, really. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, as you say, Delafeu came on, and, and straight away, I think, virtually with his first touch, he, he had a little run, didn't he? And you could tell that he was going to cause United problems because they, they were worried about him. I think, um, obviously, what I do want to mention is, Oviedo, uh, who I'm sure we're going to touch on a, a, a soon, I thought defensively in the first half, I thought he was brilliant. Uh, Valencia, uh, who has suddenly turned into some sort of man-beast. Have you seen Valencia lately? He's always been built, but uh, yeah, he's like, like quite muscular, but I, I don't know, is he like... Well, he, he looks like he's, the, uh, he's uh, planning tri- a future career in WWE wrestling he, or he something. The, tri- the Triple H diet, has he? Yeah, I mean, he, his, his upper body seems to have like doubled in size. Um, and he played down the right in, in the first half on the right wing. And, and But Oviedo, basically, he seemed to be everywhere. He, he made a couple of great tackles to, to stop Valencia getting the ball across. Uh, he was getting back. Um, and he, he was also like one of our best attacking players as well. So the, the lad had a great game um, to the point where it, it, Moyes made a very early subs, uh, substitution in the second half uh, and put Valencia back to right back. Taking off um, Raphael, hmm. who bizarrely from in the first half where I was sitting, obviously you don't have all the you know the stats you do on the TV and you don't get the view as good as the TV. I kept wondering why uh, Hernandez was playing at right back United because <laughs> Raphael's had his haircut, and from where we were sitting, he was the absolute spit of Hernandez, and I was thinking. Why is Hernandez playing at right back? <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, another quality bit of uh, <laughs> observational skills by myself. Yeah, but Oviedo defensively in the first half was brilliant, and then that, that carried on into the second half. And as, as we started to become a bit more of a attacking force towards the end of the second half, uh, he really came into his own. Both him and Coleman. Well, Oviedo is now <laughs> starting to be linked with the move to Man United <laughs> over Baines. Really? Oh, right, okay. They're going to go. Well, I thought Moise didn't like Oviedo. Well, this, this is. Um, it, it's come out today that uh, they had a chance to sign him in the summer or something and, and he passed it up. Who? United had United the chance to sign United, Oviedo. And then one of the articles at United. I don't know, I can't remember what the, what, what the article was, but it was on that uh, you know, Everton News Now ticker. Um, United should have signed Oviedo when he had the chance. So. <laughs> Right. I, wonder, I wonder whether the, uh, Baines will just fly under the radar a little bit now as they bid uh, ridiculously low amounts for Oviedo. But you, you couldn't afford Oviedo at the moment. Not at the moment, no, not at all. It's definitely Ballon d'Or winner next year. But, um, yeah, so, obviously, you know, as the game got closer and closer to the end, I was sat there, like, starting to feel, a, you know, a bit of tension in the car, got to 80 minutes. Uh, United were having chances. You know, we were breaking up the pitch, trying to catch them on a counter attack through uh, through Delafeu and, and Lukaku, uh, and then uh, all of a sudden uh, Delafeu broke on the right. So what well, he put a cross in, which which was overhit, um, and then it, it eventually made its back its way back over to him through Barkley, I think it was, 
and then bar, and then he, he he just laid it into Lukaku, um, and then uh, Lukaku had a pretty poor shot, which turned into a great cross, really, didn't it? Yeah, a uh, little bit of luck. Uh, it fell to the feet of uh, Oviedo, um, and I was looking and I could see him, and he, he, he he's coming up the left hand side of the pitch, and you know you think oh, he might have gone a little bit too far. The angle's a bit tight there, and. The, the next player we had closest to him to square the two on the, the edge of the six-yard box was Seamus Coleman. Uh, so it shows yeah, just how attacking we were in the 84th it, minute yeah. at Old Trafford. Um, and I, I just seen Oviedo hit it. The ball goes in. And there was like... It was, this, it was a strange reaction. It was like everyone went crazy, but everyone was sort of looking around as if to say, have we scored? And I think... If you look back at the footage, if you have a look at Seamus Coleman, he does exactly the same. He hasn't got a clue, he doesn't know where there's to There's no way to go, yeah. When he starts doing, I think there's a, a couple of little internet clips there of him doing the Seamus now. Where he, <laughs> with his, uh, to the left, to the right kind of thing. Yeah, with his, his crazy sort of, have we scored? I don't think we have. Oh yeah, we have. I don't know which way to run sort of dance. Um, but it just, you know, when we scored that goal... And everyone realised it had gone in properly. The place just erupted. Yeah, um, you could hear throughout. You could hear the alley alley throughout. You could hear um, you, you could hear uh, what it, what the, the Moise anti Moise songs. What was it? Well, we'll touch on them when we get to the news because I, I, I want to talk about that because I think he'd come out and said, you know, okay. Um, but what I was going to say though, of all the songs that were loudest, the loudest one which we've been singing ever since is Oviedo Baby. To the tune of uh, Human Leagues, Don't You Want Me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we've been going... Oviedo got his own song very... I think even before he'd ever played for Everton. And it's always been a little bit of a, a cult favourite, hasn't it, on the away coaches, you know? People oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People starting Oviedo, baby, but, you know... It's never really caught on at home, has it? No, not really. You, you've heard it occasionally. Um, but, yeah, it was loud last Wednesday. It was absolute pandemonium when, uh, when he scored and... And everyone just decided to sing that song then for the next ten minutes as we saw the game out and took so the three points. Five minutes injury time. So, yeah. so Moyes uh, seems to have inherited uh, Fergie's watch. Yeah, definitely got a a bit of Fergie time on the go, um, and you know we did we 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 rode it out. We uh, and we did the business and we and we took the three points and you know we've waited a long time to go to one of the the big four and to and to do what we did. Yeah, so 21 years, I think last year, uh, last week on the podcast, I, I said when that 3-0 victory, I said it was 20 years, but it's actually 21 years since we've gone to Old Trafford and won. So, just, uh, and you know, obviously everybody knows the story about Moyes struggling against the um, the top four, the so-called top four, uh, not getting any. And Roberto, on his first visit to one of those top four teams Man City not included they, 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 I think the top four at the time that they were talking about is Chelsea Arsenal Liverpool and Man U Moyes never you know we got a point here and there but never got a victory and Martinez on his first visit gets the gets the uh, gets and, the W and you could see at the end of the game you could see like the elation in the, you know in the players faces that it, party time was on on the pitch and you know we had all the players were coming over applauding the fans uh, Oviedo at first, looked a bit like embarrassed to come over and 
you know, everyone, all the players were saying, you know, get over to that corner now, and and the, everyone was going crazy, and you know, the Oviedo baby song was was booming out, uh, and then up ran Sylvan Distan and picked Oviedo up on his shoulders and started dancing. There's that, that's a great picture. There's also the the, the pictures uh, and the videos of Lukaku celebrating as if he just scored, uh, just like just punching the ground and. Like like he'd scored that winner against Man U. It's like that kind of that kind of love he's got for the club. Yeah, I mean, that kind of passion. Just amazing to see. And I'd I saw a couple of tweets afterwards about the, about um, somebody who was at Old Trafford. Uh, I, I can't. It was, it was a reporter or like like sometime some type of celebrity who was in and um, the ch- saying about the chance of Oviedo baby uh, going off for for, uh, for for like five minutes or so. Inside the Everton dressing room, so all the teams been singing it as well when they got back in there. So just class. Well, a lot of Blues sometimes talk about Sylvan Distant and his age and saying they're getting a bit worried about him getting on. That man is such an athlete. The way he just picked Oviedo up and then he puts him on his shoulders and Oviedo, you know, I know he's a he's a, a fit lad and he's not the biggest lad, but he's probably you know, ten, eleven stone or something. And then Distant's actually like jumping up and down. With Oviedo on his sh- shoulders, dancing like he's he's not even there. Well, when he decided that he didn't want him on his shoulders anymore as well, he just kind of flipped him off, <laughs> just over his own head. <laughs> it was like, it was nuts. So, yeah, after a 90-minute game, still got some strength as this time, hasn't he? Um, and then, obviously, you know, the journey O coming back was... Uh, was a mad one, a mad one, I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, it took us... From getting back onto the... Do you know what, what a funny thing about Old Trafford? I mean, obviously, if we've got listeners who have probably been there. When you come out of the away end, you just... You basically... To get to the coach park, you've got to walk across the mainstream of United fans leaving the game. Yeah, it's a bit naughty, isn't it? Well, no, I mean, there was there was no instance of note, but you could see some United fans weren't happy because a lot of them walked out as soon as we scored. Sort of saw the writing on the wall. Uh, but, you know... We were all sort of walking past them, just giving it the odd. Unlucky boys. Yeah. See you next year. Unlucky. No, they do, you, they you, do well, the same. You're welcome to Davy. Uh, and they, they weren't happy to be. But, but yeah, and then once we got back on the coach, it must have took us an hour to get probably the first half a mile away from the ground just because of the traffic. And for that whole hour, uh, I think Oviedo baby just got sang on the coach for the whole hour. Um, so yeah. Great. So. Oviedo uh, was the man of the moment. You know, two goals, uh, two goals in two games after coming in. We were wondering who was going to replace Baines. And he... Well, to me, he was man of the match in both games. Stoke and United. Yeah, so that's yeah, high praise. Um, and as we touched on a little bit before, the song ringing out. Sorry, I can't remember what was. Are you watching David Moyes? And he was, and he was watching in dis- disbelief, and which which made the Everton fans very very happy, and <laughs> keen to rub it in. Let's just yeah. say. And it's not been a good week for him, has it? Because since, obviously, us turning up and beating him at Old Trafford for the first time in 21 years, Newcastle came and did exactly the same at the weekend. And I think it was 22 years for them since they last won there. Well, good. So I can say. So, yeah, we, we were on a high. Um, you know, it, it was your choice for Man of the Match in the United game, would you agree with Oviedo on it from watching it on the TV? Who did the telly give it to? Can you I can't even remember, you know. I don't know. I, I don't even know. It was one know. of them games where there was a lot of good performances. You know, Jagielka, Distambo played well. Coleman and Oviedo were up and down the pitch. Uh, you know, and McCarthy and Barry, brilliant again. Uh, you know, 
McCarthy is really growing on me every week, you know, he just gets on with it and he, he's got that bit of bite about him. Um, yeah, I mean, and he, well, he, he, uh, he had a few scars to show, didn't he, as well, from a tackle from our old mate Fellaini on his thigh. Got studs right down his thigh. Do you see that? Yeah, I, you know, after the game, I saw a few people on, on Facebook and Twitter saying they thought the, the, the ref had a really good game. Uh, I thought he was terrible. I, I thought he gave everything towards the, the United players. There was a couple of times where Lukaku sort of muscled, say, they just out of out of the ball and he, and he get a free kick given against him and yeah I, I thought he was very much in favour of, of United and, and the home decisions um, but you know it's funny at the moment isn't it we you know we all obviously love Lukaku and he's getting us goals but generally on performance he's probably our worst player most weeks it's, well I, I think that the threat that he holds opens her up for other players to yeah. come in no so. I agree I fully agree whereas um, Jelovic you, you could put him in, and I don't think uh, opposition players have the fear they have. So he's contributing in other ways, let's just say. So um, the the Everton uh, ro- rolled on then, basically, didn't he, to, to, to Sunday? Let's uh, just talk, before we go on to that, let's just talk about the Moyes thing, because uh, we're going to go on to the Arsenal. Okay. Yeah, the Moyes. Um, so after the game, uh, apparently... David Moyes goes into uh, the, the players' bar or whatever. It was it was a function at the Lowry Hotel, and yeah. this is confirmed. Moyes was there, um, and it, it is, I think basically this whole sort of story broke from one lad's Twitter feed. Who basically he had this picture taken with Moyes, and he put on there saying, you know, I'd had a conversation, and Moyes had branded the Evertonians as disgraceful for the way they treated them, and then he made some, he made sort of. Allegedly made comments about that sounded a bit, you know, like idle threats. Really, you know. Like, yeah, it was like if the, they're going to the, treat me like that. Wait to see what happens. Yeah, just, wait. Yeah, wait to see yeah, what, what, what they're going to. Is he going to? I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. Pile into the Everton end and beat us all up or something bizarre. But um, I think that you know Moyes himself is denied making these comments, and you know the club of United them denied. But on that note, I mean. Moyes did get stick, right, from the Everton fans, which, of course, is expected. Um, the chance going out on him where, you know, are you watching David Moyes? Um, the age-old classic whenever a, a club from Merseyside plays a club from Manchester is the whole, you know, Manchester is full of shit song. Yeah. That was doctored slightly to, oh, Davy Moyes, oh, Davy Moyes is full of shit, is full of shit. Again, it's not particularly insulting, is it? Uh, you know, it's a comment on, you know, him coming, you know, trying to get our players on the cheap. I don't see a problem with that. Um, and, and that was pretty much, you know, you're getting sacked in the morning was the other one. Again, a pretty random chant. The Evertonians having a little bit of a, a you know, a funny dig. None of us, you know, thought he was going to get sacked. And that was it. You know, there wasn't anything outrageously insulting. You know, you heard one or two idiots trying to start some chants about his, you know, sexual preference or something. But no one was singing that. It wasn't catching on. It was just, you know, you're idiots that you get at all games. Um, and there was no way he could have heard that because, you know, one or two lads singing in the, in the away end at the other end of the pitch is not, not going to reach him, is it? So I don't really see what he was going on about, about us being disgusting. I don't, did he expect us to start singing, you know, 
the Davy Moyes songs from the, from the days when he was our manager? I don't know. I, I think he is so sheltered and so... I, I, I don't even know. I, I, I can't see how he can expect us to um, have any level of... Uh, you know, respect and thank, uh, you know, be thankful for what he did for us. But he, he, he's, not, he's not what he was to us. And I, I said this last week. He's burnt his bridges by coming in and... Um, Disrespecting the value of our players, and you know, I, 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 what, what can you expect? Well, I think the best, the best chant I've heard all week, uh, other than Oviedo baby, obviously, uh, is I don't know if you've seen the clip on on some of the Everton sites going around about oh, the, um, the, the, at Arsenal, uh, where everybody's singing. Um, I think it's entitled "Stuck with Moyes." Yeah, uh, and they're basically the. The, the song basically goes, you know, Man United stuff with Moyes, stuff with Moyes, uh, playing football the negative way. Uh, so, uh, and you know, they've made the bed. United now they've got to lie in it. And, and so's he. That's what I was going to say. Well, well so's that's it. I, you know, I think I went there and I was expecting it. To, the the level of abuse you get, not from me, because as you say, you know, I respect what he done for us, and, and I always will. But I expected the abuse from from to get to be probably worse than what he did get. It was all pretty mild mannered stuff, really, and you know, the the Everton fans humorously having a bit of a little dig at him. And you know, I don't know what he expected other than that. Okay, so we'll just end, end a bit on Manu there saying uh, just just get rid of that noisy stuff. And we went there and we got a great victory, a great victory the first time in twenty one years, and we went into the weekend. Uh, not fearing anyone, including no. Arsenal, who were coming up on Sunday. Yeah, on and a high. I still, even after the United game, I still didn't expect us to take anything from the game. I still thought, you know, we'd be on a high. We got three points, which is probably, you know, what the most we could have expected out of the two games. Uh, and I thought, but again, as you say, what what I, I, I felt was that we should just go and have a go at them. Why not? What have we got to lose? But the Saturday was great for us. As part from apart from the shite winning, it was great for us. Yeah, wasn't the way it? the results went: Southampton drawing with City, um, Chelsea getting beat, Stoke. <laughs> yeah. So um, just uh, just really United getting beat again, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, uh, United getting beat. Tottenham drew in the end. Oh no, they, they got a winner in the end, didn't they? Yeah, Tottenham won. Yes, but anyway, uh, going into that, you know, we hadn't really, uh, we hadn't really, we weren't in the position that if we lost against Arsenal, even that we'd lose any ground or anything. So we could just go and play without any pressure, and that is how we started off, wasn't it? It was just, I would say, the first forty minutes of the game at the Emirates was the best I've seen us play in in. A long, long, long time. Not so much. We okay. I, I know a lot of people have looked at it and said, "Well, you know, all right, you had the ball for forty minutes, but did you create any chances?" And there was no clear cut chances really that we got. But our, our possession play and our passing and the running off the ball for that first forty minutes was world class. It was possession play, but it wasn't like the first few games of the season possession play. It wasn't, it wasn't that negative. Off. It wasn't keeping the ball going from Howard to Distan to Jags doing triangular passes like that. It was, it it was uh, free flowing. It wasn't quite incisive, and I think you, you, you're right. That first forty minutes, we really we uh, the commentators said it best. We outpassed the past masters, and 
you can't give any higher praise than that. The only problem is Arsenal came back in those five minutes and showed us how to move on that little bit further. Yeah, they? I mean, I don't think you can ever go to somewhere like the Emirates and not expect Arsenal to have a spell in the game where they're dangerous. And I think, basically, the way we started and the way we held the ball for the first, you know, 20 minutes, sort of put Arsenal on the back foot to, to a certain extent. We completely silenced the Emirates crowd, which, as we've already mentioned, isn't particularly loud in the first place. But I think it, it settled Everton, it settled ourselves as well. And then somebody put in, there was a bit of a bad tackle, wasn't it? Or allegedly bad tackle. Yeah, I think... Was it, it, was, it where, was it where Lukaku tripped Koscielny off the ball? Did he, though? I, no, well, I don't think it was intentional. Now I think he just sort of ran across the front of him. Yeah. Um, but then that seemed to, that, you know, it happens at Goodison sometimes. A bad tackle will go in and that'll get the crowd riled up. And it sort of gave Arsenal a little bit of impetus going into the last five minutes of the, of the first half. And they did, as you say then, show us, you know, how to sort of create chances. Turn from... that passing, turn that possession into incisive play and carved us open a few times, didn't they? Yeah, they did that. And, and we were lucky, weren't we, really, to go in? Unlucky, unlucky in the fact that we basically controlled the first half. and then, But lucky because, yeah, we, we managed to keep, keep them at bay. They're... Um, what, I mean, what I was going to say there, you know, we said about that tackle. We had, we ended up with four bookings overall in that game, and Arsenal had none. And Arsene Wenger was stood on the sideline after a few cha- challenges in the first half, ranting and raving. There, there was no way any of those tackles were worse than the tackles that were being put, uh, put in on Pinar, Barkley and Lukaku. Well, I mean... Came to the back of them a load of times. You'd have a look at the Gareth Barry booking, for instance. I mean, OK, he, he's... he's caught the player afterwards but he's won the ball I didn't think it was particularly it wasn't a bad challenge I mean the De booking was just one of them fouls wasn't it where it's right near the end of the game a player's running through an hour half and De just thinks oh, I'm not really going to catch him here so he just take, one for the, 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 take it, that one for the team yeah but it wasn't a bad challenge he was never going to hurt the player uh, I think I, did I would get booked for time wasting yeah which is a joke so I don't, I don't know what Arsene Wenger was going on about really I didn't think we were dirty uh, to be honest Particularly in the first half, they never really had the ball for us to be dirty and to put dirty tackles in. So yeah, I thought Pinar. Stop moaning, Wenger. Pinar. A couple of times he went down a little bit easy, but he, he did seem to be um, targeted a little bit. And uh, what I was going to say, I don't think targeting in a bad way, but I think we we did target Ozil out. Um, and just didn't give him any, any time on the ball for that, those first 40 minutes. And we just like rattle him straight away. Um, there were a couple of fouls on him, but mostly it was just a lot of like like a lot of pressure on him. And uh, also Ramsey didn't really didn't really give Ramsey a kick, did they? Yeah, I mean obviously the, the Arsenal had rested players. I needed in the in the game before, and then <coughs> I saw the team sheet on Sunday, and you look at it and you think, bloody hell, you know, you, you look at Wilshere and, and Ramsey and, and Ozil and. They had Santi Cazorla out on the left, didn't he? And it was, it was about as full strength as they could get, really, wasn't it? I mean, I don't know whether they had a defender or two missing, but... Uh, there was yeah. only Jen- Jenkinson in for Jenkinson Sanya. Jenkinson was in for Sanya, yeah, and I think Kieran Gibbs was playing, but is he first choice at the moment? I think is he, he is, or, yeah. I is he first he is, choice, yeah. generally, or Monreal? They, they switch them over, don't they? But, but there was, well, I think what you're saying is there was no Nicholas Bettner in for Giroud. 
Yeah, there was, you know, they weren't starting Bentner. They weren't starting, oh, you know, Obviously, Arteta was in as well, obviously. Yeah. Um, so you looked at their team and, you you know, you, you really fancied it. But, I, you know, we, we bossed them in it, you know, for large part of the game and then obviously they sort of the second half then was a bit backwards and forwards really wasn't it again there was a period where Arsenal dominated uh, with chances etc and, and they picked up their side of the possession uh, quite a bit in the second half uh, and then you know eventually they, they took the lead and went 1-0 up it's funny though isn't it because you look at look at the substitution we made we brought De La Feu on uh, at 0-0 well, yeah, it's, and it's no fear, is it? That, that's what we love. Yeah, so we brought him on and then they scored in, what was it, the um, the 80th minute. And it was quite a poor bit of defending, I thought. Um, I don't know whether... Uh, well, uh, Giroud should have scored, I thought. Uh, but Jags just seemed to nudge him off his stride a little bit. Um, and then... I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't like to blame Coleman for it, but he didn't react sharp enough. But I think, how could you when you thought Giroud was just going to put it in? Yeah. And then it just kind of came through to Ozil, who, who finished well high above uh, from close range, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, it's a decent finish. There was a certain amount of luck, I think, involved in the goal. But I think at that point, probably Arsenal deserved the goal. Um, they had created a number of chances. A few of our chances, but you know, we had a couple. We had one from Barkley from long range, which from from um, from a bit of a. It was good play, but Arsenal should have cleared it, and it was just left to him on the edge of the box, wasn't it? And Pienaar from a lovely bit of play from run yeah. down and back heel from Barkley. Just, just while we while we mention Barkley, you know, match of the day, and you know, other football programs basically cream themselves over Barkley, didn't they, over the weekend? And, and yeah. And now, again, we've talked about this many times from a personal point of view. You know, I thought again, his end product wasn't. You know the best. What I will say though is that some of his first touches in that game against Arsenal were just utterly, utterly world class. I mean, we're talking like you know. I always say the best player who I think I've ever seen first touch wise is Berbatov, and people laugh at me when I say that. But I say you know, have a look. You know, he just does things with his first touch that other players wouldn't even think about. You just, well, I, th- I think when you when you're at school or you know you're being coached football, you meant you were meant to control it, um, so like the play seamless, and you put it into a space where you have control of the ball, hence control. You don't just trap it, you know, and stop it, stop it dead. You you you, you try and create another sequence of play or keep the sequence of play going. And that's what Barkley did, particularly with the, where it led to the goal, didn't he? Is yeah. He, he had two players coming either side of him, and he just his first touch took it behind himself, and they kind of clattered into each other himself, and he had the strength to carry on, and just put it into that space attack going forward. But what I was saying there about Berbatov, you know, yeah. Barkley's got like a like a similar first touch where the ball will drop to him, and it'll it, you know it might be coming sort of. You know, a long ball over, or it might be a, you know a passive pace on the ground, and he just, as you say, it's just like it's effortless and it's like seamless the way he'll just turn on the ball and, and bring it with him and or, or knock it on, and you know if he could, if he, really if he could just he, he'll make that first touch he, and then he'll be away straight away. You know, he's away, he's running at people, he's positive. If he could just get that final ball. You know, the, the lad is going to be unbelievable. 
Oh, well, I think he will. Um, at the moment, he seems to have that free role position, doesn't he? Uh, behind Lukaku. Uh, and maybe he might be used differently. We'll talk about this a little bit later. He might be used a little bit differently on Saturday against Fulham because McCarthy's suspended. So we'll talk about that a little bit more. But just I think what they loved was his fearlessness, the way he took two or three players out of the game with one movement. Something I've been thinking about, and I don't think we've talked about this before, but you know we always say he runs into blind alleys and he, you know, he loses the ball by getting into two or three players. Turn that on its head. Do you think he gets special attention? Whereas, why are there always two or three players coming towards him? Do you, and you know, is that why our other attacking players are getting? More space, the likes of our full-backs bombing on, the likes of Morales, Delafeu when he's when he's coming on. Is it because they're so worried about Barkley and he, he is taking two defenders or three defenders with him each time? Right. I'm, I'm, you know I'm a basketball geek at the moment and um, that I'm going to compare it to basketball. You're saying about Nobody it. listening is going to have any... Well, our American listeners may do, but no, no, everyone else is going to be sitting here going, what are you talking about? No, I'm not going to talk about any, any, any players in particular. I'm just going to say... Uh, the most valuable players, uh, you know, out of out of five players, they count the most valuable players who require a, a, a double team defender, and that's kind of what. You, if if you've got a, a one player who's been defended by two players, it's someone's only, it's, free. It's maths. It's simple yeah. maths, isn't it? it leaves somebody free. It's a player over. So you know, offensive players who take two players out of the game um, are, are valued a, a lot higher. And obviously, that's what Bar. If if that's you know, that's what you're trying to say. Barkley's taking two or three players out, and Lukaku sometimes, you know, team to double teamed. If you've got two defenders on them, then especially with the way our midfielders at the moment, another one of our midfielders can step up. So yeah, I I, I agree. You know, it, it, the, the only thing he's got to do now is if he's taken taking that ball down that not so blind alley, is release it back into the space where he's just left it. Yeah, that it's just releasing it that you know couple of yards earlier. Or, same same with sure. Delfeu. You know, when Delafeu is going to start doing that as well, he's, you know, two or three players are going to uh, gather around. They're already doing it now, just because he's from Barcelona. You know, he's already getting double teamed. Well, I've mentioned. You know, we'll, we'll get onto the goal in a sec because obviously we, we, we've been one 0 down here for ages to uh, Arsenal. Oh, yeah. But just on that note, you know, and you know, I don't want to sound like I'm exaggerating on a plate, and I, I've picked up on Barkley's first touch and said, you know, I think it's you know world class. As good as his first touch is, switching to Delafeu, again, you know, there's very few players I've ever seen who can go just glide past somebody as well as Delafeu. It just, it, it looks quite, it looks impossible sometimes. Do you know, I'm going to use a very scouse term, it looks jag, it looks like nobody's putting a challenge in because he does it that easily. And people for, for are anyone who isn't scouse, uh, we'll, we'll do a scouse translation. The term jag means uh, fake, fake, phony, whatever. Yeah, it looks, it, it just looks, or like, like, like you know, like those footy, those footy films you see, like that goal, which was the fellow from Newcastle. Escape to victory, and all the dribbling looks like, you know, like it's rehearsed, like it's staged because it is. Hang on a minute, are you telling me Santiago Munez from goal can't actually dribble like that? Pass? No, I don't know. <laughs> no idea. Um... But, but and I know what you mean, but it's it's not. They're doing the damnedest to get the ball off of Marty, and they just, they just can't get anywhere near him. He's got this like uncanny ability to 
you'll have the ball and say it's played into him in the box his first touch it looked like he hasn't really controlled it but what he's actually done is he's instantly knocked it like past three players who then he just ghosts through the middle of them it's like that it's it's like Messi and it is like Messi and, and this is what I don't want to say I don't want to sit here and go Gerard Delafeu is the new Messi because well you know in our lifetime we will probably never see a player as good as Messi but yeah, Messi is one of them few players who's got the ability to drift past players as easily as 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 Delafeu. And do you know what we haven't and seen? Tony we, yeah, what we haven't seen from him so far is when um, when teams obviously we haven't seen that much of him. When teams have tried to take him down, he hasn't gone down. He hasn't just dived all over the show like so many players would, like maybe some across the park. Just what, what I'm saying to any of our listeners is, for instance, when you, when you next watch Evan, watch Morales. Uh, watch who else do we have who, who like to take people. Coleman, for instance. To get round people, they have to work for it. Yeah. You know, they have to knock the ball, they have to put pace in, they have to try and beat them. Delafeu doesn't even, sometimes doesn't even seem to be running and he still goes past people. It's, it's, it's bizarre, and it's, but it's, it's great to watch. Uh, and obviously, that's, he, he, you know, he's used a bit of that skill to... To get us back in the game against Arsenal. Yeah. Um, so, Barkley started a move. Well, it was played to Barkley and, you know, his, his turn kind of started a move. It was laid out to Oviedo on the left. I think it was. Yeah, it was, yeah. Oviedo puts a cross in, which is a little bit uh, a little bit behind Lukaku. So, Lukaku tries this very... Uh, it was a bit like Lukaku's ball to... Oviedo, wasn't it? You know, a bit of a reverse in a Man United game. <laughs> yeah. Terrible balls that have turned out to be goals. Yeah, but Lukaku tries this, uh, well, impossible overhead kick, <laughs> which doesn't get anywhere near it. Uh, and it comes through to Delafeu, who, as you, you get his first touch, gets it under control, and you think, he's, um, he's not done that quick enough there. And then just, you know, he's got like three defenders in front of him, one little touch to the right. Gets himself. Not. I wouldn't even say he had a yard of space. He has about half a yard of space. It was a yard at most, wasn't at it? At most, yeah. Um, and just gets just it's hit, pretty much unstoppable shot, wasn't it? He hit it to me. He hit it like like a free kick. It was that type of thing. It was yeah. that weird sort of up and arrow down. of the ball, wasn't yeah. it? Uh, and when he first hit it, I thought I didn't really get onto how much pace was on the ball. I thought you know. I think maybe the keeper could have done better there from that angle. But when you look at it again, it's it's just like an unstoppable rocket, isn't it, really? You think, with goals like that, right, you think if the goalie was looking the other way and didn't know that ball was coming towards him, do you know what I mean? It would just hit him. But because he's tried to make the motion to dive and get it and push it out, it's just gone through him. And, and not, that's not saying he's, 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 he's made a mistake. It's just that's what goalies do. They just have to try and keep it out. But it's just so fast and it's up. and It's up, not even, it's not up high, but it's over him before he, he can even. And then back down, as, as you said, it's just up and down. Really, really strange the way they strike it. It's, it's, but it's like the Ronaldo way of hitting it. But it was two, a great. Two comparisons, Ronaldo, Ronaldo and Messi. Ronaldo and Messi, yeah. So he, he's in good company, really, isn't he? Uh, if we can. Sort of squeezing a Frank Ribery one here. We've got the top three players in the world at the minute, but but yeah, but Delafeu was off, wasn't he? And uh, didn't want anyone celebrating with him. Ran over to the Evertonian to the corner and decided he wanted a machine gun. Them. Well, that seems to be a celebration. He did that against Stoke as well. Just a two-hand, two-handed machine gun. Um, yeah, fair, fair enough. It's better than God is great. 
Hopefully he's a bit more accurate with his machine gun and he's a throwing dart. If you've seen Everton's nine dart <laughs> challenge on Everton TV this week with Delafay, who, who is possibly the most cheesiest man alive. I'm surprised he didn't dribble the darts to the top board and try and just walk them in. Um, but um, so that was that was it really. Um, that was the 84th minute. Um, there was a, there was another couple, a couple of bits of possession where you know he's tried to cross it, not got enough on it, or put too much on it. Um, but the only other uh, notable bit of action was an unbelievable effort from Giroud at the yeah, end. Giroud pretty... nearly scored a world, yeah, and we got a little bit of luck where it bounced off the bar. It was great, great effort. That was just fair was... play to the lads. I mean, I I, I really like Giroud. I think he's a he's a cracking player, and that that was a great effort towards the end. It was so unlucky. If that had been against anybody else, I would have wanted that to go in. Obviously, yeah, if I just like it outside of the foot, and it actually hits the uh, the corner of post and crossbar. About that's how close it was. To the top corner. Three inches, and it would have been a perfect goal. And I mean, Howard had no chance, did he? I mean, it was unstoppable. I don't think anyone anyone would have had a chance with that. Um, but it was a fair result. Yeah, fair result. Um, you know, Everton have come in for a massive amount of praise since the game. Um, you know, you go to not many teams have gone to the Emirates and got anything this season and, and you know, played as well as we have. And I think, you know, even a lot of the. the the Arsenal players have come out and said Everton are the best side they played all season, and that includes Napoli, Dortmund, uh, you know, the teams that played in Europe. Yeah, and uh, Arteta's come out and said that we're the best best team that, that have been there. I've got uh, a funny feeling he's not probably the most unbiased person to ask, though, a question yeah. like that. I'll just um, some of the stats that were off the telly uh, 56% possession for the Blues. Uh, 88% pass completion short. Uh, this is this quite uh, touches in the opposition penalty, and Arsenal had 36 to our 24. So maybe that might need to be back yeah. there. You know, yeah. I mean, Arsenal did come back into it in the second half. There's no, there's no doubt in that. I mean, if you look at them stats just on the first half, the, you know, oh, yeah, the first yeah. half, uh, we'd have been probably. I think on passes alone, we were. I think they had 200 and something passes, and we had 420. And we, yeah, and uh, it was like 64% possession, something like that, to us. But they did definitely did write that a little bit. Um, I think you know one one of the telling signs during the game. If you go back and, and watch the game again, Gary Neville's on commentary on Sky, and Gary Neville says, you know, the way Everton are playing, it's like watching a top Champions League side. You know, the the, the way they're using the ball, possession, and Gary Neville basically said, you know what, I, I'm supposed to be neutral here, but because of Everton's level of performance, you know, I'm really pushing for them to score and to to win the game. Yeah, well. Thanks, Gary. And he hates scousers as well. And he does hate scousers, yeah. Uh, but yeah, high praise all the time. Uh, all, you know, ever since uh, Arsene Wenger wasn't happy with the goal, he said Lukaku uh, should have been blown up for a foul for his ridiculous overhead kick attempt. So what? Unlucky Arsene. Uh, man of the match for that game and yourself. It went to Barkley on the telly. It went to Barkley, and I'd uh, just for his cockiness and. Uh, it's just self-belief, yeah, I'd go with that. Um, I, I, it could have gone to McCarthy or Barry again. I, I thought I thought Barry and McCarthy again, are just, they're just a rock in that central midfield. Uh, and I thought this Dan and Jack Elko both played well as well. Um, so, yeah, it could have. At the moment, it's so difficult to pick man of the match because everyone's playing well. Yeah, it's a team. I'm going to give man of the match to the team. Okay. That's a massive cop-out, but Jackie, you do it every Jackie Elka, Jackie Elka was just... 
It was great, wasn't he? Yeah, he Howard was. made some amazing saves, which you know, one of the commentators actually said um, he, he does the simple things better than any other goalkeeper. And I've never really thought of it like that. You know, just making those one-to-one stops with his feet and stuff like that. If you take those for granted, when he does flap across us sometimes or doesn't command his penalty area as as good as Neville Southall did, but those one-on-ones and you know the stops with his feet. You know, he, he's, he's one of the top goalies in the league for a reason. I'm just looking at the clock here, and we've already you know, gone 50 minutes on our first section. Um, so we'd better leave the Man United and Arsenal games there, really, and go on to a bit of Everton news. News! OK, so that's time again for the Everton news of the week. And a big story breaking today is we've been linked with Suarez, a move for Suarez. Oh, Suarez. I don't want him. He's horrible. No, well, anyway, it's not that one. It's uh, Andalex Matias Suarez. Who is he horrible as well? I hope not. I hope he doesn't bite players for fun. He's got seven goals, seven assists in 13 appearances for Andalex. Right, OK. Um, so, and, and I don't believe he's going to cost megabucks. Well, I have an interesting fact about this player. Go on. I know nothing about him. You know never heard him. I, I don't know much about him, apart from the fact he played for Anderlecht. He's got seven goals, seven assists, and th- out of 13 appearances, and he's Argentinian. Right, well, okay. Yeah. Um, How much do they want for him? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful insight from the boys at Nopit to just better again. I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. So, basically, what we can tell you about this story is, there's a lad called Suarez, uh, he plays in Europe, uh, we're linked with him, that's it. He's Argentinian. He's, uh, he's Argentinian. He's got seven goals, seven assists in 13 appearances. That's, right, okay. That's a lot of ground. How did he get on last season? No idea. Um, this McGeady story, again, we've mentioned this week after week after week, and we really look like we could possibly be in a driving position. There's no, there's no way he's going to get into our team at the minute. No, he's not. Um, but he's available to free at the end of the season. Uh, so he could be picked up on a pre-contract, uh, like a loan kind of deal, up until then, and then sign. So it could be it could be likely. Uh, let's see if it happens. Uh, you know, I'm, not, I'm not bothered, really. I, I'm not interested in him. We've got a couple of, uh, we've got a couple of uh, more transfer stories. Liverpool Echo today. Has said, has asked who Everton should pick up out of these free transfers. There's, there's a few interesting ones in the list, isn't it? The first one. Well, let, let's let's leave him to the last. Let's yeah. go with the one I'm most interested in. I think is Julian Lescott. Julian Lescott. Would he come back to Everton? Tail between his legs. Would the Everton fans have him? I would. I I think you'd be you'd be daft not to. You can't. On a free, so we sell the lad for twenty-two million. For the whole time he's away from us, we get a player in Distan for next to nothing, who is you know equally as good, if not slightly better. And and then we get him back for nothing. You'd have to be stupid not to take him. Yeah, I'd say even if you can get him in January for five hundred thousand a million, I'd say go for it. Whether he'd feel the same after all the nasty chance about him being the elephant man. Is another, well, <laughs> another I'm sure he gets that at every club, doesn't he? So, you know, once he's back being a blue, he's back a blue, isn't he? And we love him again. Another one which um, 
we, we talked about this very early in the season. Uh, Momo Sissoko, who uh, obviously used to play for the Shite, he's available on a free. I think he's available actually on a free now. Not interested. Yeah, no. Uh, he has to go a long way to get uh, in our midfield at the moment. Maybe for cover, I don't think he'll be called upon, though. Uh, another possibly interesting one, Shane Long. What do you reckon? Shane Long, you know, Shane Long sometimes can have a game where he looks brilliant, but he doesn't have that many of them, I think. And I think we should be looking at a better quality of striker than Shane Long. If you get him on a free, why, you know, and he's happy to sit on the bench, then possibly. I think I think uh, with players like that to improve the squad, um, you can't go wrong. I don't think he, he's a player. Probably a little bit better than Naismith. Um, probably a lot better than Naismith, I'd say. Do you know what? I, I don't know. I wouldn't agree or disagree with that. I don't know. But you've you really got to look. If Lukaku picks up a knock and Jelovic doesn't find his form, you know, you've got Morales and maybe Delafeu who could play up top. We it, are struggling. It, yeah, I mean, if Jelovic is to go, uh, as we think, in, in January, then somebody like Shane Long, for instance, if we, I wouldn't pay more for Shane Long than what we're selling Jelovic for, though. He's, young, he's a youngish lad, isn't he? Yeah, he is, but I wouldn't like to see us spend, you know... But I'd say, if he's coming up out of contract, then you'd probably pick him up for a couple of million, I would have thought so. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd have a punt at Shane Long, why not? And, and Irish players seem to do well with us, so... Yeah, yeah a few of his mates there, yeah. yeah. Um, and this one, which you've said we should leave to the last because it's the most. Well, there's one before we mention your one. I've yeah, just had on. a look at the list in full, and another player who's on there, Xabi Alonso. <sighs> well, at least he wouldn't be able to get our players sent off if you know if he came back. I wouldn't like him to go to a, another Premier League club. Uh, yeah, I don't think he'd get a game in our central midfield at the moment. <laughs> wow, I'm serious. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I don't want to praise him too much. I, I think his passing's unbelievable. Yeah, he's a good player, isn't he? But I'm sure somebody like Chelsea or I think Mourinho really, will probably want him back after Do the season. Yeah, I would have thought he'd go somewhere like that. But Xabi Alonso's on a free, and then the last player who's on a free that we can pick up this summer, who the Echo uh, are making headlines with by saying, "Are Everton going to sign?" Ah, is well, this says a long way. It uh, says a lot about uh, the, uh, you know the, the kind of direction we're going. I think, despite his age, Perlo, Perlo, eighty-seven-year-old <laughs> Perlo, but gravelly-faced, bearded Perlo, but Perlo, you know one of the you know he must must have been in a top ten footballer of the year for the, how many years running. He, yeah, it's a complete nonsense, isn't it? There's no way we're going to go in for Pirlo. He's but the too fact old. that we're being linked. Yeah, but we're not being linked, are we? It's just the, the echo selling papers. He's on a free at the end of the season. I'll, I know, let's sell our back page by saying Everton could sign Pirlo. Yeah, well, so could every other club in the world. No, daft. Okay, so from one midfield maestro to another, I like two... It. Uh, Martinez this week has come out and uh, com- uh, said that the form of um, Gareth Barry and James McCarthy and that partnership in midfield is amongst the best in the league, if not the best in the league, and it's just a perfect pairing. And I think it's semi-reminiscent of Reed and Bracewell. 
Possibly, yeah, yeah. Um, and we've said this all. He's been listening to the podcast again, hasn't he, Roberto? Because we've been he does saying, every week. He does yeah. every week. Yeah. We've been saying this Thursday for, morning for weeks. Yeah, he's got it. He's got it on his iPhone straight away. Gets it. Um, he's out there on training most days. We're on a Thursday morning. Stays in the office and listens to the podcast. Yeah, don't blame him. Picks the team. That's what I do. Picks the team. He listens to like my man to watch and uh, picks the team on what we say, can't we? Yeah. Well, cheers for listening, Roberto. Uh, so yeah, well, we 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 agree because you know that's what we've been saying all along, don't we? Perfect pairing. Uh, you've got the, the bite of uh, McCarthy, but with a decent touch, decent engine as well. The lad never stops running. Uh, the experience and the touch of Barry, who also has got a bit of bite, <laughs> so they complement each other really well, don't they? I think you know we were saying before about the touch of um, Barkley and Delafeu, uh, Barry's touch as well, you know, and he always seems to find himself in a bit of space where he can pick off, pick off a loose ball, and do something with it. So it's experience, isn't it? Yeah. Anything, you know, it, it, a lot of footballs in the head, isn't it? As well as in the feet, and, and he's just got it. You know, in the head, that's you know, brilliant sound. So, and he, and he said that you know, he said over the last week or so that he'd like to stay, and I think I think it's a set, isn't it? I think he's, he, if we can sort out a, a decent enough wage, um, you know, to compensate some wealth from his one from City, which is going to be stupid money, then I think it's a set. Uh, another player who Roberto has. Praised for playing his best football of his career, and I think this is a dodgy one. Uh, this time, well, I think he, I still think he's playing well. You know, he, as we mentioned before, he doesn't, considering his age, he doesn't seem to be declining in any way. Fitness wise, yeah, but I, I think he started, he used to be really, really cool on the ball, and he just seems to flap a little bit more. He seems to call it the flappiness off there. Uh, Jags. No, I think that's unfair, you know. I, I think because of the way we play now with the possession at the back, you're probably just noticing he's, he's seeing the ball a lot more, isn't I he? Suppose, so, I suppose that's so, it, yeah. you know, I think that's unfair. You know, I, as I said before, going into the Man United game, if you'd offered me to swap this down out for Vidic on the day, I wouldn't have done it just because of the partnership. So, uh, Well, yeah. he's looking at getting an extension to his deal as well. I think the only question now... I'd definitely is, give him another year. Is, that's is the question. The question is: Is he going to get a year or two years? He's thirty-five or thirty. No, no, just give him a, a year and just do it on a twelve-month rolling contract. I'm sure he, he'd be fairly happy with that. Uh, but again, you know, Martinez does like to come out and play up players, doesn't he? And, and you know, give them a bit of confidence. Uh, okay, but we've got, well, while we're on Martinez, uh, just uh, I, I mentioned this to you. Oh before. yeah, go on. Yeah, uh, something that amused me the other day where the Martinez was in the studio on BBC's coverage of the, the World Cup draw, and uh, obviously you know England got Uruguay, Costa Rica, and Italy in their group, so pretty tough group really. Uh, and the the Gary Lineker, you know, threw it out to Martinez about how are England going to cope with the goal scoring threat of of Luis Suarez. Um, so and something that amused me was, you know, Martinez said, "Well, it's not just Suarez they have to worry about. There's another goal-scoring sensation in the group, i.e., Costa Rica's Brian Oviedo, who England have to deal with." Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting the World Cup, isn't it? The more the more I see Roberto on the telly and just his interviews and everything like that, the more I think he's just going to do amazing things for this club. He's just going to. The, the way he talks is just so positive all the time. Like, come on, you know, giving the players a boost of confidence all the time, saying, you know, these last two things that we've just mentioned, um, 
you were talking about them, talking about his confidence in them. He's, he's done similar things with Delafeo as well, and you know he, he hasn't got, gone over the top and said Delafeo is the best in the world or whatever like that. He said you know there's a lot more to come from him, and it, it just really, really. But he says it with like humility and respect, and I just think he's just a completely complete breath of fresh air. Well, our old mate Dave Whelan came out to me this week, and uh, I don't know if he phones Sky Sports like he always does live on air. Oh, did, you know, he, he broke his leg in a cup final once. You know? <laughs> he did, yeah. Um, oh, Miss Dave Whelan, we haven't, we haven't said any Dave Whelan jokes for a while, have we? Um, and it, let's face it, it's the same two Dave Whelan jokes we always tell because <laughs> yeah. they're the only two we've got. But he did an interview, did he? Surprisingly, midweek, uh, basically, he, he said something really that probably to some people might have sounded a bit strange. He basically said, you know, Everton still don't know what they've got in Roberto Martinez and still don't know what level he can take them to. He will take Everton to places they can only dream of. Well, it's exciting. Um, it, it, well, I, the other night, I dreamt of a land where all the women walk around naked. Uh, so I can't wait for Roberto Martinez to take us there. Even the fat ones? Yeah, even the fat girls need a bit of love as well. But yeah, so when's that away trip? When's Robbie taking us there on the bus? Because uh, Samuel. Well, <laughs> seriously though, uh, he, he um, apparently his first words uh, to Bill Kenwright once he signed. There was a bit of talk about this once he, you know, once he signed, once he signed on to be our manager. And Moyes uh, said, "I keep, I keep you in the league." Uh, that was one of the first things he said to uh, Bill Kenwright when he became Everton manager. One of the first things Roberto, Roberto said was, "I'll get, I'll get Everton into the Champions League." And who'd bet against them at the moment? You know, we're fifth and we're going strong. Shh. So, Shh. We're not talking about that. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to like count our chickens, but you know, we it's 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 looking like it's a possibility rather than a pipe dream. That's, that's all I'll say on that. Uh, right, final bit. I don't know whether you've seen this today. I mean, it's whether it's newsworthy or it's just this is opinion based, I suppose. But there's a site called FTB Pro Football Pro, and it's like all, you know, all, all the clubs in the league have like their own Facebook page and stuff like that. And um, they've done this thing, this the, the ten worst Premier League kits of all time. The worst Premier League kits, kits of all time. So that obvious horrible one of Man U's where the uh, where they got beat against Southampton. Six, the grey one. The grey one. Where they couldn't see the players. Yeah, they couldn't see the each other. Yeah, that one's in there. And there's a few other like proper horrible ones in there. Everton's pink kit. No, it's not in there. Everton's yellow and blue kit, which is one of the best kits I've ever seen from, from this, this season, year, is in there at number seven. In the top ten worst kits. Top ten it? worst kits in the Premier League history. Are they having a laugh? So <laughs> it's 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 not. I've, I put it out on our Facebook before, and like one out of about uh, how many how many thousand we've got a few thousand people on our Facebook page. Um, one person said yeah, it's horrid. Everyone else was like, it's, it's class. And I agree, it's a class kit. And I don't know what they're looking at because uh, a, f- a few lads have commented and said, Liverpool's Neto bag kit didn't even make it in there. And Liverpool's Christmas jumper kit from this year hasn't made it in there, but that has. So th- there's only one conclusion you can come to there. Go on. That article was written by a red shite. Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> the only people who go on the FTB, whatever it's called, site are copites. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so I mean, that's all I've got for news. Unless you've got anything else to add? Uh, no, can't think of anything else off the top of my head. Uh, apart from 
Delafay playing darts. That's about it. But we've already <laughs> mentioned that, so... Yeah, OK, so we're going to come back in a sec with a little look at the upcoming home game against Fulham. This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, Not Bitter, Just Better. Or you can find us on Twitter at Just Better EFC. Right, Mark, before we go on to this, before we go on to the Fulham game, I've got a question for you. Okay. What does this mean to you? WWWWWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWDWD
No. Right, okay. I think we'll just. I think it'll just be Delafeu for McCarthy and I hope a, so. a rejig of the midfield. I hope so because uh, we want. To, we, uh, we're not in. We're not. We're not down on Delafeu anymore. We just want to see him start. As frustrating as it can be when he doesn't lay the ball off, it's exciting as hell to watch him. Isn't no, it? No, I want to see him start games now. Yeah. And especially you have a look at the next five, six games. You know, I think even the next seven games, they're all winnable. <laughs> You know, we don't want to jump. jump we don't want to. We don't. We don't want to jump the gun. But you know, I wouldn't. Yeah, potentially, we could get twenty-one points out of the next seven games. Um, so yeah, you know, all, all the players are going to have to play the partner. I'd love to see Delafeu start. A, you know, games against the like, especially at home, where you know, defensively, you know, we are sound and we don't really get beat. Then yeah, I'd love to see Delafeu start, and, and I think he will do. Um, Fulham at the moment, looking at their form. Uh, when we were on Super Sunday on Sky last Sunday, uh, we were the late game four o'clock, and Fulham were actually the game before us against Villa uh, at Craven Cottage. Uh, I watched the game. I fully expected Villa to turn Fulham over because uh, Fulham haven't been particularly good this season, uh, and I was surprised to see Fulham basically. You know, they won two 0 uh, and they should have won by a couple more than that. Really. Well, it's uh, Mullenstein's come in for Martin Yoll. Um, Rene Mullenstein, and he's brought a few players in out of the colds. Uh, have you heard his accent? No. Oh yeah, they have actually. He's yeah. got one of them strange Dutch stroke like Mancunian accents. That <laughs> yeah. is, it's like it's a bit Peter Schmeichelish, uh, and it's, it's bizarre. Um, but he brought uh, Karagunas in and Sidwell back in and another midfielder back in and it, well the the, 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 mid, the midfield three was Karagunas, Parker and Sidwell was, yeah. they were all well into the 30s I think Karagunas is 36 I yeah, think 36, yeah. Parker's 34, 35 uh, and then Sidwell's probably about 32 as well so uh, not exactly the most uh, Youthful of, of midfield, but they, they, they don't need youth at the moment. They don't need flair, do they? They need experience and you know people to battle to get out, and that that's, that looks like what they seem to have done. And then they've got the flair up top of Berbatov. Well, you know, again, my man to watch is it's going to be the obvious one this week, and it is Berbatov. And I mentioned them on the podcast before uh, about you know the the wonder that is Dimitar's first touch. You know, he's he's one of them players who I would happily pay money to watch. Um, but the problem you have with him is there's games where he just will not be interested whatsoever, uh, and it's general. I think if he played for Everton, you'd 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 be screaming at him every game because the lad doesn't like running, does he? Let's face it. No. Um, but you know, some of his some of you know his vision and his touches in that game against Villa. There was for the first goal where he was it the first goal? No, it's for where he won the penalty. Uh, the ball dropped him just past the halfway line, and in one touch, he played like a sort of a through ball through to, uh, you know, to, I think it was Kasami who won the penalty, was it? Uh, no, it was. You only said Kasami because it was easy to say. Kakalitch, uh, yeah. So it was Kasami who won the penalty then. Yeah. Not Yeah. And 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 then he stepped up and. Took the penalty as well, and, and one of the cheapest penalties you should ever likely to <laughs> see. Just like, waited for the goalie to go, and then just yeah, he basically just it. said, "Just, just fall on the floor, mate, because I'm going to score anyway." Um, so he seems to be sort of, you know, he seems to, in particular to have reacted to Mullenstein coming in, and seems to be finding a little bit of form. Um, but you know, as I say, it's not a game I can see us getting anything else but three points from. So we got a prediction. 
Yeah, I think we will win, and I think it'll be 2-0. Well, I'm just hoping, you know, you said you had this worry against Stoke. I'm hoping we don't take games like this for granted, because we've got a good few of them. We've come through a really, really, really difficult test, test in 10 days, really, um, as Blues. And um, we're back through the side in a better position. Just... Let's not blow it against... The thing with Fulham now... We would do, wouldn't we? The thing with Fulham now is I fully, fully expect them to come and defend and play for the draw. So I think we can break that down. Be, Yeah, and I think, you know, if we do play the likes of Delafeu from the start, you know, and we, we we have got a bit more creativity, say, you know, Osman in, in central midfield with Osman or PNR perhaps, uh, then, then I, I think, look, looking at, you know, have a look at the defence that Fulham have got. Aaron Hughes, he's no spring chicken either, is he? You know, he's not never been, you know, great, has he? Uh, John Arnery said he must be well into his thirties now. Who is bizarrely dyed his hair black and, and looks crazy. Um, we'll get Morales up against them. Yeah, you know, and Coleman, you know, double team, double up against them. Then I, I think we won't have a problem breaking them down. And you know, as I say, I think we should take three points away from the game. I can't see any major changes for them from the team that play Villa. They're probably because they won. They probably play with the same, the same starting eleven, barring any injuries. Um, and, you, and you'd fancy us winning in the midfield, really, against Sidwell and Parker. Yeah, I think we've got one of the strongest midfields in the league, strongest defenses in the league, and one of the best strikers in the league, and one of the best goalies in the league. So we shouldn't have any problems. But you know, there's always that potential there. So. Like, like I said, I, I was worried about complacency against Stoke. We clearly didn't have any because we went out and battered them. Uh, and that must be, you know, Martinez must uh, have that in his locker, mustn't he? Where he just, you know, gets the players off for each game and won't allow complacency. We've, we've talk, we talked on this a, a few weeks ago about um, how we were a little bit worried. Not worried, but um, you know, there, was, there was the potential there for every game to be a 4-3 with Martinez, wasn't it? And that's what we were thinking, we were expecting. But no, we've got eight clean sheets in the league. And that's the best record in the league. I think um, we've conceded the, le- uh, the least amount now, uh, apart from Southampton, possibly. Right, it might okay. even be less than Southampton now. Um, so, you know, it, it really does bode well, especially going into this Christmas period when there's just games and um, games and more games. Games galore. Oh, we didn't mention a little bit of the news before. We just so um, just just you... just sorry. Just before you do go on to that, the only thing that is playing on my mind slightly with the Fulham game is. You go back to that League Cup game this season. We fully expected to beat them then, didn't we? Uh, and, and, and we, we didn't. Done. And we didn't. And yeah. we should have done exactly. Um, so uh, let's just hope that we, we've, we've learned from that. I know that was a way. I hope Darren Ben doesn't play. Let's just say that because he, he always seems to pop up. Yeah, well, I was just going to mention then. We didn't mention that we've got QPR in the cup. So we just little bit touch on that. Oh, the FA Cup, do yeah. FA Cup. So. Home tie. So again, happy. Uh, I fancy us playing anyone at home. Uh, and Obviously, Harry Redknapp uh, in charge uh, and Joey Barton in the lineup. It's always interesting when Joey Barton comes to Goodison, isn't it? Is I don't want to see his arse cheeks again. No, is he going to you know moon the crowd? Or he always gets a bit of stick taking the corners and and has a laugh. Um, but it, he he wants to come and play for us again now, doesn't he? So that, he might be nice, might he? So he might try and be nice to us, but uh, I'm going to abuse him because I hate him. Okay, so you're going for the win, a two 0 win? Did you say? Yeah, I, I fancy us for two 0 I can't really see you know. Fulham score and past us uh, you know they might sneak a goal Berbatov might come up with a, a worldie or something but yeah I fancy us to do them too now 
Right, we've got a little bit of feedback here from, um, you know, off our Facebook page. I gave you the link just before. Um, first up is Robert R. Ditchfield, and his feedback is, how can I get the podca- podcast up to listen to it? Well, well, we only tell everyone this about ten times a week, Robert. I don't know where you've been since the start of the season. Hopefully you've found it, and uh, yeah, feel free to go. Hang on a minute, it's no point telling them on here, because if you can't... Get it up, how's he going to listen to yeah, us? Exactly. Uh, Liam Holt, uh, fantastic few days, needs to kick on now. That's what we, we obviously we, we agree. Uh, Matty Vickery, who listens every week. Uh, Jerry to start more, maybe for Peanut or Kev. Uh, the lad's electric and full of confidence. We only, only have, we only have him for a season or maybe two, so we need to take full advantage of his clear talent. And that's, again, what we've just been mentioning. Just on that note, yeah, we never mentioned this. Um, there's been a lot of talk this week about, we should have put it in the news, really, the other players' loan period. Uh, and apparently there's, there's a clause uh, or an option for us to have him for the second season. Uh, and this was this has even been put to the Barcelona manager this week, who basically said, you know, it's a bit early to be talking about where he's going to be next season. Um, but he did confirm that, you know, there is possibly an option there for us to have him for the second season, which uh, I think we'd all be happy about, wouldn't we? Yeah. Um, also, Samir Manor doesn't agree with Matty Vickery. He says he's really pleased that Pinar has upped his game not getting the level of recognition that I think he deserves. Having said that, they've all been boss. Again, we've touched on that. The only thing with Pienaar at the moment is, I don't, you know, against Man United in particular, and you know, he, he had a decent game, but he looked like at times he was running in treacle. It's just, it, it, the only thing that lets me down with Pienaar is pace. Uh, and, and you wouldn't have thought that, would you? Do you know what I think? Ever since he, he, he cut his dreads off, I, I just don't think he's been the same player. Right, okay. We haven't mentioned we Tim Howard's beard. We the big, oh, we forgot about Tim Howard's beard. The biggest, sorry, we, we, we should just wipe everything we've done so far and uh, make this the, the most In fact, important. should we just do a whole podcast, we, an, we an extra do. podcast about Tim Howard's beard? I, was, I must admit, I shed a tear on Sunday. Uh, so, first of all, we were, you know, we're doing, I'm looking on the Everton pages as we do, match day, and there was a rumour, a murmur, going around, saying he's done it. And, and, I, I, and oh, I was like, no, no. no. There's no way. There's no way the beard's gone. Yeah, no chance. Just randomly, on an, you know, for no reason, there's no way the beard's gone. Yeah. Uh, you know, he hasn't had five hammered past him. He hasn't done any. So, and then, there was another little bit of news came through. He's put it on his Instagram. So, goes over to his Instagram. He's there. I thought, no, it's got to be an old picture. Got to be an old... No, Tim stood there, shirtless, in all this tattoo glory, sans beard. Do you think he was growing it until we beat one of the top four? Away. Yeah, he could have been. He could have been, yeah. Um, but he or him. maybe he was growing it until, uh, I don't know, Oviedo scored the second goal. Ah, I've got no idea. I, I just don't understand why he shaved it off. Yeah, well, it was funny though, wasn't it? Because we were like, uh, you know, we had a little bit of a laugh and we've talked about how it's been a lot. And um, there were people saying, uh, we, uh, we, we hope it hasn't got the power of like the Torres. Because when Torres cut his hair off, it seemed to cut all, all his football ability as well. Um, and it didn't seem to because he performed really well against Arsenal, as, as we've already said. But we uh, we miss you, Tim's beard. Please come back. Yeah, rest in peace, beard. Anyway, a bit more feedback. Andy Campbell, team is playing so well. Martinez knows his stuff, and I agree. He really does know his stuff. He knows the right things to say, and he knows his team inside out. And he he's just I can't speak highly enough of him at the moment. Dresses very well as well. He does, doesn't he? he does, he's yeah, quite he's a dapper gent, isn't he? He is, he's a stylish <laughs> little git, yeah. Um, 
Carl Rowlands, I reckon the show should start with the crowd singing at United, then Arsenal. Every blue in the world are buzzing. Keep up the good work, lads. Same team, different postcode. This is Carl, who we mentioned last week, who's dialing us. So, yeah, cheers. And we obliged. Bit of Oviedo baby. There was never going to be any other option was there than Oviedo baby to uh, to start the... uh, Plus, I'm scared of us getting taken off the air, so to speak, by using goals. (laughs) (laughs) Don't mention that, just in case someone's listening. Yeah, it's a good idea. Um, You're right, okay, yeah, so... Uh, just to and just just to clarify, was he actually working as a waitress in a cocktail bar? He was working as a fullback for a club in Denmark when we signed him. Right, okay, <laughs> it's like that. Um, George Robertson. No matter what happens this season, I'm proud of the lads. Nobody ever rates us or thinks we have a chance. Well, we're proving them wrong. Monotophies, go get yours, Everton for life. Come on, you Blues. Yes, love it when we get ones like that. <laughs> <laughs> Cheaper. Again, I, I agree. I'm just so proud, so proud that we went to Man United and Arsenal and completely competed and showed that we can compete with top four teams. Not that United are top, you know, but they're still champions no matter how poor they're doing so far this season. And the sense of pride that, you know, and the fact that people are saying that we deserve to win or, you know, and uh, we deserve to win against Arsenal and put, put, said our football was better than theirs. It's like it's just amazing. Yeah, you'd be even more proud of it if you actually bothered to go to the game, like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another one from Dan Emson, who's based in the US. All right, lads, at work, so can't write much, but what a week. You said during the last podcast that this week could define where we are in terms of progress. Well, it looks pretty good, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Uh, the best part for me is the fact that during both games we deserved the points. It wasn't smash-and-grab football. We went toe to toe with both the po- opponents and with a better team, and that isn't a great, isn't that a great thing to say? Important we kick on and keep the momentum going through Christmas. Happy days. From the way that's wrote, I've got a feeling he's possibly not American. No, I think he's a, uh, I think he's a scout living over there. Is he? Ex-part, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, as you say, a great sort of indication as to where we are at the moment. But all we've got to do now is not just you know throw that away by dropping silly points in these next games where, where that are very winnable. Last one from Peter McCreeth. Uh, just gloat like, th- boys, we deserve it, can't wait. To- I'm not going to do an F-bomb. Can't wait to listen. Come on, you blues. I'll do an F-bomb. Just gloat like fuck. Is that what he said? Yeah, all right. Sorry, Mum, if you're listening. Although I didn't swear, Mark did, so it's all right. <laughs> yeah, when- yeah, that's our feedback. So if you've got, a- if you've got any views, as I said, you just feel free to tweet us. As we said before, you can send us voice clips to notbitter, just better at outlook.com. We, we've occasionally played a few. Feel free. We want to try and get more of those on. So if anyone is listening and you can be bothered, then just, just get your iPhone out, press voice recording, speak into it for 30 seconds, and then email it. That's how, that's how hard it is. It takes, well, two minutes to do. So let's hear, let's hear what other blues around the world have got to say. And, and if, you know, even if you want to tell us we're terrible, then do it. This is Bob Latchford. I'm not bitter, just better. Thanks for that, Latch. Uh, do you reckon Big Bob can still walk on water then, or what? I think he'll have a good go. I, I think he, I think he'll always be able to walk on water. Um, usually, it's this time in the show where we go to the, our Hall of Fame. Uh, however, we've talked nonsense today uh, for far too long, so we've overran on the show a little bit, uh, and we'd be looking at about two hours or something if we did the Hall of Fame. So. We're actually not going to do a Hall of Fame this week, and we're looking at maybe changing the the piece a little bit from from next week. We're very aware with the Hall of Fame that if we do a Hall of Fame every week, 
you know, and we do this show for, you know, a full year and beyond, we'll end up with like, you know, 52 people or games or whatever in the Hall of Fame. And it's not going to really mean that much. We've got to 20 last week. And, you know, I think there's a good balance in there. There's players who will go into future ones once we kick it back up. But I think we should make it a little bit more special. And so, yeah, we've gone back to the drawing board a little bit. We've got a good idea for next week's show already. Um, well, we're very aware when doing the whole Hall of Fame, you know, of retreading over old ground. So there's only so many times. Well, I know we'll never get bored of talking about, you know, Rotterdam or the Bayern Munich game or, or any of these or the, the, you know, the teams in the 80s. But um, if we're talking about sort of the similar things each week, then it, it might get a little bit... Week to week, especially. You know, there's, I think, how well, many players from that team are there? There's like... There's We've like already five put already. Gray, Sharp, Sheedy, Stephen. Yeah. Uh, mm. so, so, yeah, so we're very aware of that. So uh, I think what we're going to do for next week is, at the end of each show, is we're just going to start profiling a player. Now, you know, it might not need to be someone who, who would go into a Hall of Fame. It's just going to be a random player. And we'll, and we'll talk a little bit about their time with the Blues and their life. And We're working on the ways to select our random player, which could be a little bit uh, complicated, but I've, I've got a good strategy, but it's going to take a little bit of groundwork, and we might even put it to vote. We might. Uh, well, well, let's, to, well, let's, should we, we take nominations from listeners? Yeah, if you, if, you know, if we, we, we'll put the links out for the podcast. If you've got any nominations, you know, if we get if we get a few, we can always uh, do, do do like a poll, can't we? And say, and then we can um, we can talk a little bit about the actual history, and then we can talk about our memories if we've got any. Just, just bear in mind though the three hundred nominations for Duncan Ferguson. Uh, we can only ever do it once. Plus, if you start nominating, you know, someone who once played three reserve games in nineteen seventy, we're probably not going to be able to pull up too much information about them. So yeah, so random, but don't just do your favourite player. And on the opposite end, don't try and just catch us out by trying to include Tony Thomas or someone like that who's never really even ever featured. I, t- Tony Thomas was all right. Tramia legend. Tramia legend, yeah, that says a lot. Um, so, yeah, so no Hall of Fame, which is a bit of a shocker, because that means I'll have to change all the spiel when I put the uh, <laughs> when I put all the podcasts online. You will do, yeah. <laughs> bit of extra work for Johnny. Uh, but at least this week you don't have to guess middle names or any other stupid... Oh, I missed that. I missed that. All right, seeing as you missed it, what was Tony Thomas's middle name? Billy Bob. Wrong. Oh. It was... The tank engine. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, but that brings us to the end of the show. No Hall of Fame, so we'll uh, we'll just say goodbye here, then, won't we? Yeah, obviously, uh, Fulham game at the weekend. Fully expect three points. Uh, Oviedo, a couple of goals, do you reckon, against Fulham? A couple of goals, a couple of assists, carry on his good form. So he, didn't, he didn't score against Arsenal, did he? So he, he's, in a, he's in a goal-scoring drought at the moment. <laughs> yeah. He's having a goal-scoring crisis, is Brian Oviedo. Um, yeah, so I don't care who scores. Three points against Fulham. Hey, no talking about that, though. Lukaku's gone two goals without a goal. Two games without a goal. Two goals without a goal. <laughs> yeah, two games without a goal. Uh, well, he's due one against Fulham, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, at least. So, uh, and hopefully we'll be back next week uh, with... Uh, some more Everton songs from the Fulham game. Yeah. As always, uh, thanks to everyone for listening. If you're listening on SoundCloud and an Apple device, go and subscribe to us in the iTunes store, and that way you get the podcast straight to your phone Thursday mornings once it's released. Um, feedback, welcome, as we've already discussed. 
and we get a shout out on the air and we get to, you know we get to talk about Everton with news as, as we want to uh, yeah so other than that for me come on the Blues hopefully hopefully we be fun and Mark yeah and it's the same for me I, I'm, we'll leave it with this are you listening David Moyes are you, you listening, listening David Moyes, Moyes?